Hey, welcome to the Lyric House Church podcast. Our mission is to host a house for him. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our live service. Make sure to check out our Facebook page for details about upcoming events and information on our small groups that meet throughout the week. Thank you for being part of our broader community, and we hope you enjoy this podcast. That's the thing. Our circumstances don't determine our joy. He does. Our situation, yeah. He's good in all things. So this morning, Tim's going to bring the word. You want to come up, Tim? He's got a word from the Lord for us. Uh, this is Pastor Tim, if this is your first time. I'm Pastor Jason. This is my wife, Pastor Tiffany. <laughs> Welcome to the Lyric House. We do things a little bit different here. We rotate uh, and give the word... Here lately, Tim and I have been rotating bi-weekly, and then next month, Tiffany will jump back in. Father's Day is next weekend, and Craig and Mark and I are going to be answering some questions. There's going to be a panel and a Father's Day breakfast. Yeah. Thanks. It's you doing all my announcements, but it's fine. So I had to say something really funny really quick that after worship I was cracking up beside like how about worship though it was so good wasn't it (sighs) thanks guys um but I Jason when he was praying he's being all serious and he was talking about how we're the salt of the earth did you guys catch that probably it's just something you know it's very biblical thing to say (laughs) except for last night trust was like mom dad when you met daddy what did you think about him And before I could say anything, he was like, shh, mom thought, look at that man. He looks like salt, like the salt of the earth. And I just laughed and laughed and laughed. Anyway, that was it. I just thought it was really funny. You ready, Tim? No. No. Anyway, uh, more stories. No. Would you talk a little bit more about what you opened up with this morning? Um, Spirit and truth? Or what? The scripture I shared? Oh, I didn't share that. You did. Did I? Yeah. Oh. Oh. You can talk about that for a second. Yeah, okay. Our heart's desire and his heart's desire for us. And I may not preach. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're supposed to talk about this, so if I preach, who cares? Oh, no. No, we're not doing I don't like that. No, no, I'm not trying to put it on you. Okay. I don't have a whole lot, but what I, I just was really feeling like the Lord, um, I was just sitting in the conference room before church got started, and Hayden had kind of made a comment before I left, and I was thinking about that comment, thinking about that comment, and not that it wasn't Hayden's fault. You're not, you're fine, that's good. And I w- but I was thinking about the comment, and I sat down, and I was getting ready to like open the scripture, and I was getting, but I couldn't stop thinking about the comment, and I couldn't stop thinking about... Um, just different things that were going on, but I sat in the room to go worship before service started. And I think that we very easily come into a worship service and start thinking about everything that needs to happen and everything that we've done wrong and everything that's going on in life. And we forget that worship is unto him. And I was remembering during worship how when when Jason and I came from a very conservative background, we didn't know worship. Worship was hymnals to us, which isn't wrong. But when we came into Tim's church for the first time and we heard worship, we all just kind of stood there like this. 
duh. We didn't close our eyes. We didn't worship. We didn't know what it meant. We didn't know what it was. We didn't even know, we didn't know what it was for. What did you say? I didn't. That is the most awkward thing. What do I do with my hands, actually? Um, and I remember it took us a couple times. I don't remember how many. Um, but it took us a couple times of, of me just surrendering and closing my eyes and being like, what is this about? Why are other people in the room closing their eyes? What, what, are we do, what is this for? And it, it took this connection of me getting out of my own head get to, and setting me, to the, setting me on the back burner and putting God on the front to realize what worship was for. And I think that is what look that worshiping in spirit and truth looks like looking at him and and also not caring about what other people think we were all joking at women's group how god didn't make me a worship leader because i could i wouldn't first of all i can't sing second of all because i wouldn't lead you guys i'd be like <laughs> the whole time i would just be like this <laughs> and we all know that's true right so um and how um, worship is just unto him. It's for him. And we look at him while we're worshiping and um, our hearts are on him and who he is. And that's what worship is for. That's what I was going at with that. What else did you say to talk about? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember what else you said. You said something else. Um, yeah. really don't have anything else to talk about. Okay. Right. Right. Time for time to preach now. <laughs> All done. Really? You ready? Sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm ready. Okay. I'm not trying to dump it off on you. I just really, when you were talking this morning, I was like, she needs to share a little bit more about that. Amen. Amen. Mm. He loves us so much, guys. He loves you more than you know. More than you've hoped or imagined. I'm sorry. I'm just captured this morning. I'm not sorry about being captured. I'm sorry that I, I'm trying to pull it together. <clears throat> My goal isn't to stand up in front of you and cry. <laughs> but I'm not ashamed of it. And I'm not afraid of it. I just wanted, you know, we sang this song and this line. It just hit me. It says, he wraps himself in light. <clears throat> and darkness tries to hide I think is how it says <laughs> and trembles at his voice and trembles at his voice and I was just in worship and it was like I saw this light while we were singing I didn't see it with my eyes and like I don't know how to explain it in the my mind's eye. There you go, right? I saw this light shine bright. And it went out. 
all the pressures around begin to fall away. All the struggles and cares begin to begin to flee. It's like I could see cares and struggle and worry and, and strife and anxiety and stress. And it was like I could see all of that stuff. <clears throat> and as the light began to shine, all of that was going away. It happened right when we sang that line. You know, he wraps himself in light and darkness tries to hide. And trembles at his voice. Everybody say, God is good. good. Amen. What I saw was it wasn't just a light because at first I saw it and I thought it was God shining. It is God. Don't misunderstand what I'm going to say. It is God and it's God's glory and God's power. But I thought like, oh, I'm seeing like a picture of like, we're singing about God in this song. How great is our God? And he wraps himself in light, you know, and it's all about him we're singing about. And, and so I see this light in my mind's eye and, and this picture happening. And I wasn't just imagining this. I don't have that good of an imagination really and to, to see it like that and and as it began to happen in my heart I was going God you're so beautiful and you're so beautiful and the Holy Spirit said look closer and so I did so okay it's like I looked closer <laughs> and as I looked closer it turned into it wasn't one light it was multiple lights multiple lights and as I looked closer it became clearer it was you and me he was saying I'm showing you what I in the spirit what it looks like in here right now as we were worshiping We so underestimate the glory of God that it, from His Spirit that is placed upon us, we so underestimate, we undervalue, we so do not understand the true power of the glory of God. And as we were singing this, and He began to speak to my heart, He was like, everyone's looking at me, and that's what I was doing. And he said, and that's good, but I want you to understand I'm looking at you. And as you look at me, I'm looking at you. And my glory is shining in you and through you. And then he said something to me that he spoke this to me years and years ago. Some of you guys, you've heard it many times. If you know me very long, you've heard this many times throughout the years. He said, as you worship me, and I'm supposed to share this this morning with you, you know, so as you worship me, I'll fix your mess. As you praise my name, I'll take care of what's wrong. Years and years and years ago, God, God spoke that to me. One time I was praying and, you know, I, I was the new believer trying to figure out how to get things together. I'm an older believer now, and I'm still trying to figure out how to get things together. Anybody identify with that? Amen. We're, we're all on the journey. There was, a, there was a time in my life that I thought I had all of it together. I'm just being honest with you. There was a time in ministry that I thought I had it all together. 
And then it was very quickly that I learned I pretty much don't know anything. And I went from feeling like I don't know anything to feel like I had it all together to feel like even what I knew I didn't know. Some of you can relate with that. And then I kind of grew to this place where I'm trying to stay and press into to where I only know what I know because it's in him and it's all him. I I don't know. I could say it more clearly probably, but right now I'm having a hard time. So I'm not saying I've arrived at all, but I'm in Christ. And I'm trying to not be in me as much as possible. Amen. Anybody relate? I was a new believer trying to get it figured out in good, well-meaning brothers and sisters came along and told me a whole bunch of stuff that put a whole bunch of weight on my shoulders. I went from being lost a sinner. I mean, you know, we, you know what a sinner is, right? <laughs> being lost. I don't have to explain it. I went from no hope. I went from no joy. I went from not having peace. I went from feeling anger and frustration and rage and just all this junk in my life to I came to Jesus. He set me free. His power was released over me, on me, over me, in me, through me, all of it. It's not just on me, in me. It's all of it, guys. It's the whole package. It's the package deal. I was dead in my sins and transgressions, and he made me alive together with him, having forgiven all of my sins, having taken them out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, Colossians chapter 2. He's taken it out of the way. I was buried with him in baptism. I'm not talking about water baptism. Water baptism's good. We can talk about it, but I'm not talking about that right now. When I got born again, I was dead in my sins and my transgressions. And the Holy Spirit took my deadness. And this is spiritually happens in the spirit, guys. I didn't float somewhere. I was, I was in the natural in one place. But the Holy Spirit came in, grabbed a hold of me, right, in the spiritual realm. And I don't know how all this works, so I'm just going to try to explain it with my words. Is is this okay? Like with my words? Don't take what I'm going to say right here. This is exactly how this happens. No, I'm trying to, I feel like, you know, I understand John, you know, from Revelation. It's Revelation, by the way. It took me a long time to learn that. (laughs) Not Revelations. But he had a lot of revelations, but it was all one revelation of Christ. It was the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's even written that way. So I kind of feel like I understand John a little bit, not trying to say that, hey, I'm here on this level. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is John said, I heard this voice, this loud, booming voice, right? You're just out there, you know. He's on the island of Patmos. He's just out there chilling out. That's how I picture it, right? He's got coconuts around him. He's like munching on some coconut, drinking coconut milk. He's like laying out there and the waves are crashing on the beach. You imagine it how you want. That's how I imagine it. And he said, and I heard a voice. And it said, come up here. And he said, I looked, and behold, a door was standing open in the heavens. 
Can you imagine just like you're on the beach, you look up, and you, John physically saw this with physical eyes, not the, the eye of his mind like I'm talking about, his physical eyes, and his voice said, come up here. Can you imagine your first thought? How? <laughs> How? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know what he's thinking, but then he goes through all this stuff, and he starts talking about, and I'm not going to go through quoting all of it, but he, he goes through, and he says, and I saw a throne. I'm skipping a little bit of a head, right? And he said, I saw a throne. I think this is chapter five, probably. And he said, and him who sits on the throne, a, a jasper sardius, he was like a jasper stone. He was like a sardius stone, and he had an emerald rainbow over him. He talks about Jesus. He's like, he looked like, I saw a man standing there. He had, he had eyes that were like a flame of fire, feet burnished as if bronze that's been in the kiln, cooked in the fire, you know, glowing like bronze in a fire. All this stuff he's talking about, hair whiter than snow, you know, face shining brighter than the sun and all his glory. And he's doing all this stuff. He's trying to explain it. He's like, I saw this Jasper Sardius emerald rainbow God. And we could look at that and go, John, what are you talking about? What, what are you trying to tell me? It's like, I looked and behold, and I saw whatever. I'm not going to keep naming things, but he just says all these things. And, and you're kind of like, John, what are you doing? What do you mean? Anybody ever thought that when you're reading it? I feel like if John could talk to us today, he would say, he was like, dude, I was trying. And, you know, he'd say, dude, because that's how they talked, right? I don't know what they would have said in Greek then. Thou surth, you know. No, that's, that's, that's way earlier, later, whatever. He would say, man, I was seeing something so beyond what I've ever experienced, so far beyond what I've ever imagined was possible. He'd probably say, like, I was seeing colors that I don't even know how to describe to you and feeling and sensing things that cannot be because they're not of this earth. And I'm trying to use a, a a natural language and words to describe something so far beyond that words fall short. And this is what we do, guys. And we have this scripture that is trying to convey something to us that is so far beyond what words can convey. Because it's super natural. What does that mean? It means it's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a good definition. I'll go with that. It's not hard. Super literally means above and beyond. That's what super is, above and beyond. So it's literally supernatural is literally above and beyond the natural. Above and beyond the natural. This is so cool. This is so cool. Why? Because you are supernatural beings. If you are in Christ, I know I didn't forget. I was talking about baptism and well-meaning people. I'll get back to that. But we are supernatural beings. We have, a, we have an indestructible eternal spirit. Did you know that? This is one of the ways that we're created in God's image. When, when God said, let us make man in Genesis, he said, let us make him in our image, right? Amen? So we're made in the image of God. Obviously, we don't look just like God looks. 
because I don't see any Jasper, Sardius, Imbo, Rainbow people walking around here, right? We don't look just like God looks in the natural flesh that we have. We don't, we, you know, I mean, I don't know. I've seen some pretty strong spray tans before. So you never know. No, I mean, well, it's probably, that, that might be like the sardius a little bit, maybe. I don't know. I don't even know the colors of the stones. Jasper, sardius, emerald, rainbow. Supernatural guys. But we're created in God's image. So as God said that there's multiple ways that we're, we are created this way. You know, we're a three-part being. I'm not going to go through all these, but just think about this. You're a three-part being. I say it this way. I am a spirit. I have a soul, and I live in a body. And some of you guys are going, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? You just said the same thing twice, spirit and soul. Because we use soul all the time for talking about spirit. And we say, you know, we're going to go win, save some souls. And we're thinking about people getting born again, right? I think we have, I don't think we have, biblically it shows us we have a spirit, a soul, and a body. And our soul, we know the body, right? It's our skin suit. It's our earth suit. That's what we call it. It's our earth suit. And we all, yeah, some are stretched out a little more than others and whatever, but we all have a skin suit. Our spirit is the real us. I'll talk about that in a second. But our soul is our mind, will, emotions, thoughts, and feelings. All of that part of us. Mind, will, emotions, thoughts, feelings. That's what makes up our soulish realm. The spirit is the real part of you. The spirit is eternal, indestructible. God created you with an indestructible, eternal spirit, which is one of the ways, I know I said this already, that we are in his image. Because God is eternal, indestructible. This is why salvation is so important, guys. I'm not here to teach about salvation this morning, but here, check it out. Every single person who has ever born in this world naturally is born with the eternal, indestructible spirit. And because of the fall of man, what we read about Adam and Eve in the garden, the fall of man, every single human that is born, every single human, I'm going to say this too, and I don't care what you think about it, and that's my honest opinion. I'll say it with love, so I'll smile. I can say it nicer, maybe. I don't care what you think about it. I don't. Every single human being that has come into existence through conception. Because I said born. <clears throat> How many of you know there's a whole lot of humans that have come into existence who were not born? And I'm not here to talk about abortion and all that. We, you want to do that? We can get coffee sometime. You drink coffee, I'll drink soda or water. I don't like coffee, but I know I'm in a coffee shop. But I'll drink hot chocolate. Is that close enough? So I'm not trying to be on that, but what I'm telling you is when life is conceived, there is a person that has an indestructible eternal spirit. We're created with this. That's why it says the, the, the verse we all know in here, John 3, 16, right? For God. I like that part. You just kind of leave it at that part. For God. So loved the world, right? That he sent his son Jesus Christ down here. Amen? That whosoever believes in him shall not 
perish, but have life and life everlastingly, abundantly, eternally. That's why it says life and life eternally. Praise God. Anyways, we receive Christ, we become born again. We get born again. We're made new. We're made new. We're born again, guys. That born again person, that's your spirit is now becomes born again. But you're, you still have a spirit whether you're born again or not. When you get born again, your spirit is joined with the Lord. It says he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. We're joined to the Lord. It says that, that so when I got born again, and I, I, and I said, yes, Jesus, somehow the Holy Spirit took me and baptized me in the blood of Jesus, in the cross, in the finished work of the cross, the Holy Spirit baptized me in the blood of Jesus, washed away my sins, cleansed me from all unrighteousness, took care of all that mess and stuff, and then raised me up again to walk in newness of life. I was dead in my sins and transgressions, but he made me alive together with him. Amen? We're alive with him. And, and I know I, I got kind of off in the weeds there, but let's get right back on track. Listen, guys, you are supernatural. We serve a supernatural God, and you are supernatural beings. And if you're born again, then you have a supernatural God inside of a supernatural being. Now, we try to say natural because we always want to identify with the natural. We always want to identify ourselves with things in the natural. That is just the fight and the struggle that we're, we're going through as Christians trying to renew our minds, trying to understand like the, 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 this, this, this paradox that we see. How does heaven dwell in us when we feel and look like hell? And I'm not trying to be offensive or just strong language. I'm, I'm literally trying to use like the literal heaven, the fruits of heaven or the fruits of hell. And so we have the struggle for us to believe and to trust and understand what the word says by faith because we look into a natural mirror and we go, I don't, I don't look like I'm supposed to look. I don't feel like I'm supposed to feel. It doesn't seem like it's supposed to seem, right? And then we struggle with believing what God says about us and who we are. And Brother Mark got up here earlier and was talking about getting in the Word and understanding your identity and, and going through this stuff. And it's so important what he was talking about. Renewing our minds to who we really are. It's understanding who we are. Who we are. It's our identity. It's who we are. And when you begin to identify with Christ and identify according to the Word, you know what you'll find? Resistance resistance on every level you will begin to find resistance I could go through a name and, and there's pre people in here who could have stories like oh I got saved and my spouse resisted that right I got saved my job resisted that I, I mean I don't want to go through every example but you'll get resistance when you try to stand on the word and begin to identify with Jesus and identify with him and who he is and who he's created you to be the first thing you'll get this ain't all you'll get but I'm just telling you I'm going to tell you some more that's better but to understand this the first thing you'll get is resistance and for some reason we get shocked when we stand on the word and believe God and we face resistance against that sometimes we go 
there must be something wrong with us because religion has painted a picture that if your life isn't uh, flowers and rainbows and daisies and you know what I mean, just all this awesomeness, then there's something wrong with you. And the religion will tell you, you got sin in your life. That's why you don't have enough faith. Anybody heard those before? I totally heard that. I heard that. I was back in when the well-meaning people came along and began to try to help me understand who I was. And they did it the way that they were told. And what it did was put a weight on me. And I started relating to God based on how I was doing. If I was doing good, then I felt like God was pleased with me and God loved me. If I was doing bad, then I felt like God was mad at me and wasn't pleased with me anymore. And my walk with the Lord early on was like this. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Ups and downs and ups and downs. And I'd come from some up at great experience and I would leave church and do something stupid and be down in the valley. I would walk out of services where I'm weeping and crying because of the anointing of God and then I would on my way home do something stupid and I would, I would lose all that joy. I'd lose all that peace. God didn't take it. I let go of it and focused on something different and, and I would let go of these things and release and not hold fast to who I really was and I was looking at the old man instead of the new man and I would leave church. Woohoo! I'd get home. Woohoo! And then you got a whole week of trying to, I say a whole week, I was going to church where you're there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, and then another day sometimes usually for something, which I'm not picking on. That's okay. If that's what you want to do, it's fine. But it wasn't because we wanted to. It was if we didn't do it, we weren't righteous or holy or going to make it to heaven. That just really was. That's what was told to us. There's a difference in having to go to church and getting to go and wanting to go. It's a huge difference. Ups and downs. Yay, Lord. Woe is me. And then you'd go through this cycle. Some of you could know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, I just don't know if I can go to church this week. Oh, I just don't know. Then maybe you skip a week or two because you did something dumb. Maybe you didn't skip a week, you know, but you come in and we can tell right away because you're normally in, hallelujah, praise the Lord, so happy to be here. Then you come in and you're like, nobody's looking. You're trying to come in late after worship has started. Ha <laughs> ha, I love it. This church, it's impossible, man. It's impossible. You can't do it. I was. We came in late one time. Melissa and I came in late. We went to the back door going, oh, the back door's going to be open. We were trying to sneak in the back door because we were like 15 minutes late. And I'm like, they're in the middle of worship. And we're so late. And it's like, we're going to come in the back door. Guess what? We were an extra five minutes late because the back door was locked. And so it took us that much longer to walk and get back in here. And, and so we come in. And we come in. Jason's like talking. He's like, hello. I'm like, yeah, great. No, there's no hiding, you know. And so you just go back there. I'm sorry. But the cool thing is it's not with condemnation. It's not with guilt. It's not with accusation. It comes from true joy when that you walk in and they go, hey, how you doing? It's not to call you out and make you feel embarrassed. Although he might do that to me just for fun, but it wouldn't make me embarrassed. It would only embarrass Melissa. But, and he wouldn't do that to her. He wouldn't. He'd do it to me for fun, but not to her. 
And so, yeah, he definitely did it for me. But it's not out of this sense of thing. You know, I've, I've been to churches, guys, where you show up a little bit late. They'll stop the service. I've had this happen. They'll stop the service. Well, it's good to see Brother Tim has finally joined us. Service started 15 minutes ago. But it's okay. We'll wait on you while you find your seat. And I'm like, you know, if I knew then what I know now, I'd have just been like, ah! went right back out the door and never walked in that place again, probably. You know, it doesn't mean I have to be mad and hate them, but I, it's not my job to change everybody either, right? I got to worry about me and grow for me and, and stuff like that. But I've, I've done that and I didn't know I ducked my head and came in. And, and some of you guys, it raises inside of you when you hear that, you're like, oh, knock that guy out. And I know I say it too, but I found myself hanging my head and shuffling to my seat. Sorry, you know, and, and there's just this pressure. What I would, I, there's just pressure. There's peer pressure that gets put on us. But what I want to see happen, and if this isn't maybe correct or the right way to say it, somebody can correct me and help me say it better. I, I have no problem with that. But I would like to see some, how do I say this? I'll just say, I'll, I'd like to see some peer pressure in church, right? But in a good way. I want to see some positive peer pressure. I want to see people coming in because uh, we are worshiping God in, in such a way where we're not being forced to or we have to, but because we want to, that we're just worshiping God in such a way. The Bible literally says, Jesus said, let your light so shine that men will see your good works and glorify their Father in heaven. And I'm not talking about being religious and doing religious works because the same person, Jesus, who said that also went to the religious people, the Pharisees and Sadducees, and said, stop! You're the blind leading the blind. You know what I mean? He condemned them and condemned them and condemned them. It's rough. I mean, I remember one time we were listening to the Bible scriptures <laughs> in the car. My kids were younger. And I don't know, we were listening to the... the Gospels, and when I have it. I have a dramatized version. It's not dramatized. Well, I guess it is kind of. It just every character has a different voice, right? So it's not just a guy reading it. I tried that one, uh, and it was like Genesis one one. You know what I'm talking about. Fifteen minutes into it, I'm sleeping. You know, I can't do this. I'm driving down the road. And I'm going to crash and kill somebody. I mean, it'll get me to heaven quicker, maybe doing it. But I, it's not my time to go there. You know, and God doesn't want me getting to heaven by killing other people. You know, in an accident or something. And so I got rid of that. Found one, and each person has a different voice. And there's some sounds like when they're on the boats, you can hear like waves crashing and stuff. It's but it's not distracting because I've heard some that's distracting. But anyways, we're listening to this. And the reason I'm saying it is because here's one thing I hear people say a lot. I have, <laughs> here's, here, I'll say a couple things. One thing I hear a lot, I don't have time to read my Bible. People actually get bold enough to say that. I always laugh because we all have the same amount of time and there's always time for that. There just is. I mean, is there times I don't read my Bible? Heck Yes. I'm not going to sit up here and pretend I do. No, there's times where, oh, man, I forgot to read my Bible a few days. You know, hey, grab the Bible. Better, better do this, you know. Not like I have to. It's like, no, I know for the health of my being, I need to be in the Word. There's a difference when you're in the Word and when you're not in the Word. Faith comes by 
hearing and hearing the word of God. And I know it means the word of God that comes from the word from God, but guess what? And I'm trying to, I'll get back to the supernatural stuff in a minute, but we have the Holy Spirit who, who is able to decipher the supernatural word of God that's hard to understand and reveal it to us in a way that we can understand and that it plants seeds into our life and we begin to grow. The word of God begins to grow fruit inside of us. And there's a difference when you're in the Word and when you're not in the Word. Your faith is stirred up when you've been in the Word. When you've, when you've been in the Word, you're just like, oh, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And I'm not saying you have to like be in the Bible every day. Memorize some scripture. It's with you. The Word's in you. You have it. You have the mind of Christ. Amen? And we got to begin to activate that. So some people say, I can't, I can't, I don't have time to read the Bible. Other people say, I can't understand the Bible. Anybody ever, I've said that before. I'm not, I'm not putting on anybody. When I first came to church, I started reading the King James Version. And I was like, I don't know what he, this guy's trying to tell me. Like, I got some of it, but there's things I didn't know. And, and so I would look up words all the time. It actually improved my, you, wouldn't, you couldn't tell by the way I preach, but it improved my English vocabulary because I had to look up words all the time, you know. And I'm like, what does sundry mean? in diverse manners and sundry times and what is sundry i know it's sunday but it's a sundry you know so i'd look that stuff up you know and as i began to do that i began to grow in it and then finally somebody came along and told me hey guess what the holy spirit is the teacher his number one job is to is to reveal jesus to you and he'll take all the hidden mysteries that are in the word and everything that you go i can't understand because He'll take what you can't understand in your natural mind and he'll reveal it to you in a supernatural way where it will take root in your life and begin to produce fruit from the Spirit. And I said, what? You mean I don't have to rely on myself to understand this book? And, there, and, and, and I mean, this was years ago. He said, if, he said, not only do you not have to rely on yourself, but if you rely on yourself, you will never get revelation from God. You might be able to understand it. You might be able to dissect it. You might be able to explain some things and get very educated, but you will not have revelation because that only comes from God. And I was like, this is way better. So you know what I started doing? I started praying when I read my Bible. This is very practical, guys, very practical. You go, how do I get in the Word? How do I read the Word? What I was going to preach about today is the practical side of trust. So if I say it's very practical, then I'm right on my notes. I'm not going to preach there, and they're all laughing at me because I told them, I'm preaching it, and I'm, God, I'm ready, because I want to share it so much. It's practical. It's practical, guys. You know what? Here's what I did. Whoa, that was close. I take my Bible, and it's this Bible right here. This Bible is beat up. You know, I had somebody come, and I didn't know this was a thing. I had another minister really condemn me for having a beat up Bible marked up in. You think my Bible's marked up? Look at Mark's Bible. That's why he's named Mark, because he marks up everything he reads. And so he can't help it. It's his namesake. You know, you are, he was named that way. He just marks it all up. But no, it's really awesome, though. But, and this, I mean, I was going to read from here. I'll, I'll read from here. 
but it was this Bible, and I had a minister really condemn me in front of people while I was preaching about having this Bible, saying that I was trying to be prideful and show how much I thought I knew by having a beat-up Bible all marked up. And I was like, I didn't even know that was like a thing. And they were like, we all have new Bibles because we don't do that. And I'm like, if that's what works for you, great, but that's not what I'm going to do, and you're not going to condemn me into this because my Bible's beat up because I took it with me everywhere. This Bible's been on mission trips. This Bible's been all over the place. This Bible, this Bible was in the hands of a man who, who had a gun to the back of my head. Not exaggerating this. I'm not exaggerating this. My wife can attest to it. This Bible was in the hands of a man who had a gun moments before the back of my head ready to kill me on some back street, back highway in Mexico because we did not know what we were doing. Just because God tells you to go somewhere doesn't mean you know what to do when you get there. And we were driving in a place we shouldn't have been driving at about 2 o'clock in the morning because I had two, two of my kids were with me. Sierra and, and Camry was with me. And they were younger. So if anybody's ever traveled with younger kids, you drive at night if possible. So they sleep through the trip. Otherwise, are we there yet? Are we there yet? How much longer? How much longer? It's my turn. She's touching me. Don't, yeah, blah, blah. You know, come on. We have kids. We've been there. At least modern day, there's seatbelts and there's laws that do it. When I was a kid, I guess we had seatbelts, but there were no laws and there was no boundary. Then you could even seatbelt a kid in and go, there, you can't move. Seatbelts are not for safety. They're for parental sanity. You strap that kid in a seat so they can't move. Amen. Anyways, we traveled at night because the kids would sleep. Not knowing that the road we were on, you weren't, shouldn't have been on anyways. They had been killing people over there, left and right. I mean, all the time killing people on this road. We knew that later when we got to the missionary's house and told him what happened. And he said, you were driving where? When? It's a miracle. You're not dead. And then he just starts showing me article after article of people like hundreds of bodies along that highway that they've been killing. And, and, and so I'm not trying to make it dramatic. It just, it just is, guys. It is. And so... The guy had the gun to the back of my head. He was out there screaming at me. There was four or five, I don't know how many guys, several guys with machine guns. And they had machine guns on our car. I had a guy with a machine gun in my back. And then, and then I kept telling him, you know, no habla espanol, I don't speak Spanish. No habla espanol, I don't speak Spanish. Jesucristo is mi señor. I do very little stuff. That means Jesus Christ is my Lord. Jesus Christo is me, Senor, and I mean with a gun to the back of my head. Now, I'm not talking about being brave. I'm not talking about, don't look, I'm not saying this so you go, oh, no, I'm telling you what may and could, you never know. But I wasn't going on some mission field to die. I'll tell you this, I've had a confession my whole life. I'll go and I'll come back, and I'll go again, and I'll come back. I'll go and I'll come back. I ain't going to die on some mission field. And people will go, well, you never know it's the Lord's will. Guess what? God's will ain't to send me out there to kill me. He's, you know what? I'm going and I'm coming back. And if I have to face problems or circumstances, God will deliver me. I've got a few stories I could tell. A gang jumped us while we were out there preaching the gospel, and they all wanted to fight us. And I stood up and I said, in Jesus' name! And two of them manifested demons and fell on the ground, and the rest of the gang members freaked out because of their buddies manifesting demon and clawing and scratching and biting themselves. They ran away. These two guys got delivered. We led them to the, to the Lord, and they came to every meeting. I'm not trying to 
be braggart. It's not about that. It's about knowing who you are in a situation, in obedience. Like, I'm here at that place. I'm like, I'm here because God told me to come here. I didn't choose. I didn't go, I want to go on a missions trip and throw a dart at a map. Where am I going? I was praying. God said, go here and preach the gospel. I said, yes, Lord. I have no money. He said, trust me. Yes, Lord. Everything was paid for. And not just to meet my needs, but we blessed every pastor and church we were in. We'd leave them. We'd go to a church, and we'd have so much money come into our hands that by, I would preach. And then when I got done preaching, I'd give the uh, pastor $1,000. Again and again. We showed up down there with like 400 bucks. You do the math. Mexican currency, and I'm not even talking about like, oh, well, no, God just put money in our hands, guys. So when, anyways, when we were there, I told the man, no English, I don't speak English, and I learned you got to say I don't speak English in English, because when you say, no, habla espanol, they go, you're speaking it right now. You're telling me you don't speak Spanish while you're speaking Spanish. So I learned you also say, I don't speak English. No, hablo. Oh, sorry, Spanish, whatever. And then I sh they shoot me because I, whatever, I lied. I don't speak Spanish. And then, I, and then you try to use the worst pronunciation, pronunciation as possible. That wasn't intended, but boy, I could have wrote that if I wanted to. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your sense of humor. It's awesome. The worst pronunciation that you can do. And you're like, no, a uh, harbor lar espanol. I don't speak Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. And the guy is like cramming the gun in the back of my head, and he starts speaking perfect English to me. First, it started in the car window because I knew he could speak English. Because in the car window, they came in and they put the gun up to my head, and they had other guns around. They were like, roll your window down. I rolled my window down, gun up the side of my head. And starts screaming at me in Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. I don't speak Spanish, right? In our in the car with us was a, a gentleman named Ricardo, and he was our interpreter. And he went with us on this trip. And what's hilarious is I actually went on that trip to go with Ricardo. Ricardo was the one going on a missions trip, scheduled to preach in three different cities, down all through Mexico, more than three, but I mean three main places that he was scheduled to preach, and they were bringing Ricardo to come preach, and all I knew was the Holy Spirit told me, you go, you have to go, you have to go, and I had all, I had to go so bad. I was in Bible college, and I went in there, and I said, I got to go, I got to go on this missions trip, and, and I said, I'm going to be gone for 30 days, because we're going for a month, we're, I got to go, I've got to go. And the director's like, you can't go. You can't go. I'm like, no, I have to go. Like, I have to go. It's like, you can't miss a month of, of classes. You can't miss a month of school. Uh, you know, we'll, you, we'll, you, we'll fail you. You'll fail, basically. You know, you'll, we'll kick you out. You'll have, to start, you'll have to start over. And I said, look, you have to do whatever you have to do. I'm not trying to be rebellious or anything. I just have to go. Like, I have to go. And then uh, Andrew heard he caught some he caught wind of something going on they were talking about expelling me and so he came in there to find out what was going on and he was the president of the bible school and so he came down and he said what's this i hear about about you leaving the school and i said i don't want to leave the school andrew i said all i know is that god told me i have to be on this missions trip i don't know why but i have to get my feet on that soil i have to be there i'm compelled i can't do anything else like i mean i'm telling you i still feel it in my heart how convicted i was and about, i have to go 
He's like, well, what are you going to do? I don't know. I have no idea. I have no money. I have no plan. All I know is Ricardo is going, and I'm following him. I told him I'd carry his suitcases. I'll, I'll, I'll be his Bible fetcher. I'll get water for him. I'll wipe his brow when he sweats if he needs it. I just have to go and be there and, and, and minister. I don't know. And I wasn't going to preach ever. Wasn't supposed to preach. And Andrew was like, <laughs> it was so awesome. Andrew looked at the director of the Bible school and he said, what in the world are we doing? We're teaching these kids to hear the voice of the Spirit and obey it. And then we finally have one of them that hears the voice of the Spirit. He's trying to obey it. And you want to kick him out of the school. What's wrong with you? I'm just sitting there like that. He was like, they're required to go. We, we tell them to go on missions trips, and we have one who wants to do it. You know, and so Andrew was like, go, you're fine. It's all good. We'll take care of it. I mean, I had a lot of, I had to make up all my classes. But I didn't get kicked out of Bible school, <laughs> which is awesome. I was like, look, I don't know. I don't want to leave the school. God told me to come to school, but he's telling me to go on a missions trip. So we end up on this missions trip, and that's how we're down there. And we, we I won't tell the whole story, but I'll say this. We got down there, and Ricardo preached once. I don't know. Ricardo never even preached. He never even preached once because he didn't preach at the first church. We just went there. Anyways, Ricardo was scheduled to preach all these times. He didn't preach one time. I wasn't supposed to preach yet. I'd only preached one time in my life, and it was horrible. Some of you guys go, I want to preach. I want to preach. Be careful. Be careful. I'm telling you. I'm not telling you, if God is telling you to preach, you want to preach, amen. If God's putting it in you and you're calling you to it, go for it. And if not, preach in your life, preach in your family, preach at your work, preach at your stuff. But I'm just telling you, I got up to preach, and I mean, I fumbled and failed. I had 18 pages of notes. I went through all my notes within 15 minutes, didn't know what to do, messed up, incoherent, got down, and all my mentors I looked up to uh, came up to me and gathered around me after it was over and they all just looked at me and they just shook their head at me. Truthfully, literally, no exaggeration, put their hand on my shoulder. A couple of them gave me a big hug, put their hand on my shoulder and they looked in my eyes and three different men that I really looked up to said, I'm embarrassed for you. Brother, that was the worst preaching I've ever heard in my life. This is the feedback I got. The guy who told me that had graduated from Rama Bible College. Anybody knows about Rama? You, you know Rama. And he graduated from Rama, faith guy, all this stuff. He was like, I am embarrassed for you. <laughs> so guess what? I wanted to preach. No, you better believe I didn't want to preach. I never wanted to preach. I came home and told my wife, I'm glad I got that out of the way, right? So frustrated. I'm glad I got that out of the way because I am not called to preach. And I am never going to do that again. I'm never preaching again. Be careful with your nevers. And so we go on this missions trip. I had no aspirations to preach. Legitimately. I didn't want to preach. We go on this missions trip. We get down there. We go in the first church to meet the guys for this conference. And the pastor stops preaching and basically says the Lord spoke to him and told him I was supposed to preach in his church. And then they ask if I would preach. And I asked Ricardo, I said, are we going to be here? Are we going to be here tomorrow? And he said, yeah. And I said, okay, then I'll preach. And so they ended up setting up a five-night meeting. And this pastor was over five other churches. And he brought all the other churches together for this conference from this faith evangelist from United States and I had preached once and failed miserably. So as you can well guess, I was not excited about what was to come. And so <clears throat> the backstory to this is 
I've shared this with some of you, but some of you haven't heard it. And I'm not going to go through a lot of detail, but I'm just going to share this. As I had been, the Holy Spirit had told me to read Colossians chapter 1 and 2. Six to eight months before this day that I'm in Mexico. Six to eight months earlier, the Holy Spirit told me to read Colossians chapter 1 and 2. I said, okay. I started reading Colossians chapter 1 and 2. I read all of Colossians, but it's really short. It's really, really fast. But I read Colossians 1 and 2. And then when I read it, I didn't get nothing out of it. I didn't understand it. I read it, but I didn't get one thing out of it. Can anybody identify with that? I did not get one thing. And I'm like, God, you told me to read it. And I was just felt compelled in my heart to read Colossians 1 and 2. And so I kept reading Colossians 1 and 2, kept reading Colossians 1 and 2. And I'm not getting anything out of it. I'm not getting anything out of it. And so after about a week of it, I go, okay, I'm done reading Colossians 1 and 2. You know, our plans. I'm done reading Colossians 1 and 2. God, I read it. I did it. I don't know what you want me to do. So I flip my Bible over to Romans because I love Romans. So I flip over to Romans. And when I start reading Romans, I get about two sentences in and the pages, the, the words just go blurry and I can't see them anymore. And I'm like, what? And I rub my eyes, you know, and refocus and look at it again and I can read another sentence and then the words go blurry and I can't see them again. I flipped over to Colossians chapter two and I, it was clear as day I could read it. I got up, I closed my Bible and I threw it in the, on the couch. That's probably part of why my Bible's so beat up because it's been thrown many times. I threw it onto the couch and I said, I said, ah, that's what I said. I don't know what that means, but you, you might know what that means. I just said, ah, and I walked away, right? And so then I come back and I'm like, okay, God, okay, God, okay, okay. I'm going to read Colossians 1 and 2. A month goes by. I still have no revelation. I'm not getting anything. Like I can almost quote Colossians chapter one to you at this point, but I don't know what any of it means. I read it again and again and again, but it doesn't, I don't understand it. It's like I can't even put sentences together anymore. It doesn't make sense. I literally walk around with the Bible on my head, praying in tongues. Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, show me your word. Hallelujah. Praise God. I believe. I believe. I believe. Open my Bible up, read it again, get nothing. I get mad, throw it down. I'm not, wouldn't pick it up for another week or two. I tried to read other scriptures multiple times and I couldn't read them. I'm like, God, I'm going to fail Bible college because I can't read my Bible and I can't go tell my teachers at school, my professors that, hey, I can't do this assignment because the Lord won't let me read that scripture. They'd have laughed me out of that place and rightly so. I mean, if somebody told me that, I'd be like, you're crazy. But it was happening. And so I was just making up stuff on papers because I didn't even read the scripture on some of it. And somehow I passed, you know, and I'm just like, okay, God, you're giving me the right answers to say because it was like Old Testament survey. I can't read the scripture, but I'm supposed to tell you what this guy did. So I'm like watching kids' movies and cartoons, and I hope VeggieTales got this right because I got a test tomorrow, you know. I literally wrote Rack, Shack, and Benny on my test. And... And he took it. He accepted it. He said, it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but I'll take Rack, Jack, and Benny. And I was like, VeggieTales! <laughs> and that's a true story, guys. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't read it. I couldn't read it. And so I'm sitting there. And so finally, month after month after month of pure frustration, because I was reading the Bible, I was reading what God told me to read, but I didn't understand it. I wasn't getting any revelation. I didn't understand something about seed time and harvest. I always heard it as one word, seed time. Did you know seed time is one word? Seed time and harvest. 
All right. Praise the Lord. Seed time. And the beginning was the word. There's the seed harvest time. Right? That's how I saw it. I read the word. I read the word. Five minutes later, I'm going to harvest. That's what I thought. No, it don't work like that, guys. It's seed, time, and harvest. It takes time for it to grow. It takes time for it to get root inside of you and, and come up as something real. So do not quit putting the word in you. Do not quit trusting God because growth is happening. Just because you don't see it yet don't mean it's not happening. You know, most of the growth of any plant happens so much under the surface. Like, it grows so much before even that first little shoot pops up to where you can see it. And we look at the shoot popping up and go, woohoo, it's growing. It's been growing for weeks and weeks and weeks. You just haven't seen it yet. Don't quit. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7, 8, and 9 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, whatever a man sows, that will he reap. If he sows to the flesh, from the flesh. Say that with me. Just everybody say, from the flesh. He reaps corruption and death. If he sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit, everybody say from the Spirit, he reaps life and peace. The reason I made you say from the flesh is because so many times we think what we're reaping, we sow seeds of the flesh, we get bad fruit coming, we think God is the one doing that. It's your flesh push, producing life. Your heart pushes it up. You know what? Your heart is just soil. Your heart doesn't know whether it's good seed or bad seed. Your heart is just soil. The seed determined that you plant determines what grows. We know this, right? I don't have to explain this. You're not going to go out in your house today and plant, I don't know what, cucumbers in your garden and expect pumpkins to grow. It just doesn't work like that. Whatever seed you plant, that's what's going to grow. You know. Now you can be, you can have a, a trick from the seeds. If you're Hannah's family and they could plant one thing and other fruit produces, but it's because they had the wrong seeds in the package. But if you plant the seed, it's going to grow. Your heart doesn't know if that's good seed or bad seed. The soil doesn't know if it's good seed or bad seed, guys. You plant an apple seed, an apple tree will grow. You plant a thorn tree seed, whatever that is, like a hedge apple seed, there you go, a hedge apple tree will grow. I don't know about you, hedge is fine, but I'd much rather have an apple tree than a hedge apple tree. I can eat the apples, and I can mow the hedge apples, which is not fun. But what I'm trying to say is your heart is the soil. The soil doesn't know if it's good or bad seed. It's just its job is to cause growth and push life into whatever seeds is in it. Your heart is like that, guys. Your heart doesn't know if it's a good seed or bad seed. It just knows whatever, whatever seeds get planted in your heart, it puts life in that and produces in your life. So if you sow to the flesh, from your flesh, you reap corruption and death. So when you sow bad seeds and you get bad stuff, it is not God doing it. That's my whole point in that. It is not God bringing bad things into you. It's you and me doing planting bad seeds and allowing bad fruit, right? So we got to quit blaming God for that stuff. But here's the awesome part. If you sow to the Spirit, he says from the Spirit produces life from the Spirit. So if you sow seeds of the Spirit, then the Holy Spirit supernaturally takes a hold of these seeds and causes it to grow, guys. But the verse I didn't read yet is very important right here, verse 9. It says, well, quote, whatever. I'm reading it in my mind, okay? It says, and do not cease in well-doing or doing what is right, for in due season you shall reap if you don't quit. 
Do not cease in doing what is right and well-doing. Don't cease in planning the Word. Don't cease in believing God. Don't cease standing for what the Bible tells you. Don't cease declaring, I am a child of God. Don't cease your declaration. Don't cease reading and worshiping. Don't cease, for in due season you shall reap if you don't quit. Amen? So guess what? Six to eight months, somewhere like that went by. Time and time again, I literally would put this Bible on my head, and this was my prayer, talking to the Lord. Nobody else was around. Nobody else could hear me, and it was okay. i go, God, and I'm in it with all my heart. I'd say, I'm the dumbest Christian who has ever lived. I don't know. I'd be crying. I don't know what you're trying to show me. I don't know what you want me to learn, but God, I'm too stupid to learn it. It's been month after month, and you won't let me read anything else, but I don't understand it, God. What is wrong with me? Why can't I understand? Why am I so stupid? God, help me. And you can go, well, what kind of prayer? That's where I was at, guys. I'm saying this to bring hope to your heart. Because guess what? Six to eight months later, I didn't track it hardcore. I find myself in Mexico, standing in a church where they're saying, we want you to preach. We're starting a five-night five evangelistic service. We're bringing five other churches together to hear you preach. The next day, and I just said, okay, I'll do it. The plan was for me to preach the first one and Ricardo was going to preach the rest of them. I said, I'll do it. The next morning I got up, put my poor wife. We had a bedroom that was a blessing. It's a tremendous, huge story on how just everything comes together on this whole trip. Like every single need we had was met in a supernatural way. This family had been saving money and believing God for two years for a bed. We were staying in a really poor part, guys. It's a different world than what we understand. For two years, they had been saving and believing God for a bed. They didn't have a bed. They slept on blankets on concrete. The day we arrived, they got a brand new king-size bed and had just assembled it the day we arrived. They invited us over there and told us the story and said, this is the room that you and your family are going to stay in. And I said, we cannot stay on your new bed. You've been believing God for two years for this bed. My wife and I, my, we cannot sleep on your miracle bed before you got to. And they said, God is the one who provided it. And we prayed that we'd be able to bless missionaries or preachers with this. And they, he said that there's no accident that the day we got it, you showed up with needing a place to stay. That's powerful, guys. It's powerful on God's provision for our family, and it's powerful on somebody's faith that two years you've laid with your wife and kids on a concrete floor. We don't even understand that. We think if the AC breaks, we're suffering because it got hot last night. And after two years, they finally get this amazing bed. And the first thing they do is go, we cannot sleep on this because it's God's plan to bless you. Come on, man. And I'm here to teach them. That's what I thought. I'm, I'm supposed to teach these guys. Somebody put a microphone in their hand and let them preach because they got it, man. So the next morning we get up from an awesome sleep. 
And it's about 8 o'clock in the morning, probably by the time we get done with breakfast. I tell my wife I got to go study. I close the door <laughs> and lock it. And I went in that room to study, and I didn't come out of that room for eight hours. And I say my poor wife because my poor wife was there in a house with, they didn't speak, they didn't speak English. The only words they knew in English was, uh, well, they, hallelujah, they said, but that's not really English, was hallelujah, yes, no. I think that was it. That's all they knew, yes and no. But they didn't know, we didn't know what they were saying because we didn't speak Spanish. And Melissa, I had a little Spanish. Melissa had no Spanish. And then we had Sierra and Camry were both little kids. And she was in this house with these people, with their family, not able to communicate with them, locked out of the room for eight hours. Praise God for awesome, awesome wife. Amen. You know what happened? I walked back there in that room and I opened up Colossians. Where do you think I read? I couldn't read anything else. I walked in that room, I closed the door, locked it, went over to the bed, opened up Colossians chapter 1, and revelation just started pouring out of the scripture. I mean, every single crazy word began to mean something. God literally took me, I took a notebook, and I am not a writer. I'm not a guy who likes to write and notate and do all this stuff, I'm just not. Um, that's my writer over there. I dictate and she types it up. She's like, you know, they have this new invention called talk to text. I'm like, but you're better, baby. You fixed my bad grammar. And so she's like, it does that now. So I got my notebook out and it was a five subject notebook. And I literally sat there and I filled every single page of that notebook front and back with what God was speaking to me out of Colossians chapter one and two. He took me from Colossians chapter 1 and 2. He took me from Genesis to maps in the Bible. And I thank God for it. Before then, I would have told you that my picture of the gospel looked like Swiss cheese. You know how Swiss cheese looks, right? It's got holes all over it. My picture of the gospel wasn't complete. I had the general outline, the big idea, but there were holes all over my gospel. I didn't understand how this worked with this or how that worked with this. or You know what I'm saying? Just a bunch of holes. I came out of that room and I feel like I, I now had a whole picture. I was going to say like a craft single, but it's way better quality than that. But I had a picture because God began to do it. Now listen, guys, what I didn't understand until that moment was seed, time, and harvest. All of those times, this is the good news. It wasn't because I had great faith. It wasn't because I was a great believer. It wasn't because I had supernatural faith. I've told you repeatedly how often I threw my Bible down, put my Bible on my head and cried out how stupid I was and I don't understand why you're doing this to me, God, and how come? So I wasn't walking around, oh, I have faith, praise the Lord. I tried that the first month and then I gave up on it because it wasn't working. And so then you understand what I'm saying? It's not because I had faith to confess. It's not because I did this. It's because I was consistently obedient, even though it looked at times I wasn't because I'd throw my Bible down and walk away for a week or two. I'd pick it back up and come back to it. It's like the, the father who had two sons and he told one of them, he told both of them, go into the field to work. And one son said, I go, sir. But he didn't go. The other son said, I don't want to do that. Later, he changed his mind and went to the field to work. And Jesus said, which of the two do you think did the father's will? The one, even though he grumbled, who be, was obedient and put action to it. 
the one who immediately said, It'll, I'll go. He didn't do it. He's the one that didn't do God's will. I have good news for you. It ain't about your faith. It ain't about how good you are. It ain't about how good you, it's about being consistent and believing God. Plant the seed, the seed will grow. Plant the seed, the seed will grow. The word of God is a seed. Plant the word, fruit will come. Plant the word, seeds will come. Plant the word, your life will change. Plant the word, depression leaves. Plant the word, you'll have joy. Plant the word, the seeds are coming, guys. And this is good news, and it is not based on you. I was going, I'm the dumbest person ever. And God goes, I don't need you to be smart. I need you to be faithful. God's saying, I don't need your wisdom. I need your trust. God says, I don't need your smarts, your wisdom, your ability. I need your heart to trust in me and be faithful at what I've told you to do. God says, do what I've asked and leave the rest up to me. This is for you guys. There's things in your life that you're believing God for and you're going, I just don't know if I'm ever going to see it. I don't know if it's ever going to come. Don't quit. Don't give up. You know how many times I think you're like literally right at the threshold of victory and you go, I, I, I can't do it and walk away and you're just about to step through your victory? Amen. I don't know if this ministers to anybody. It does to me, praise God. I minister to myself. quit. You know what happened? I walked out of that room changed. I walked out of that room transformed by the word of God. You can ask my wife. I was trembling and shaking when I shut the door because I was afraid. I knew how bad it, I preached and how, how bad it was. And I was trembling and shaking when I shut the door. But when I opened the door, it was more like, I mean, literally, I mean, when I came out of that room, it was like, boom, Doors open, I'm like, all right. Is it time to go to church yet? And they're like, what? What are you, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? And I said, ah, I'm ready, man. I feel like I could bite Satan's fingernails off and spit them back at him, man. I was wound for sound. Not because of who, what I had, but because of what the Holy Spirit had revealed in me and to me. I was like, let's do this thing. And then, so the Ricardo goes, all right, all right. He goes, what are you going to preach on? I said, I'm going to preach that no flesh is justified by the works of the law. And he started laughing really hard. And I didn't know why he was laughing. He started laughing real hard. He goes, no, really, no, really. What are you going to preach? And I said, I'm going to preach that no flesh is justified by the works of the law. And then he quits laughing, gets totally serious, and goes, okay. He goes, pack your bags. We go to Mitchell Con tonight. And from, we were in Saltillo, and uh, Mitchell Con was like an 11-hour drive, I think, or 10-hour 10, 10 drive from Saltillo where we were. It was the next place we were going. But we weren't remember, we were supposed to be preaching for five nights. He goes, pack your bags. I go, why? He goes, we go to Mitchell Con tonight. And then I'm laughing because I thought he was joking. He goes, ah, ha, ha, ha. Not knowing that we were preaching, I, the church that we were preaching in was a Seventh-day Adventist church. I'm not against Seventh-day Adventist church at all. But I will tell you this, the Seventh-day Adventist church, they try to adopt the law, the Jewish law, into their belief with Christ. So they, they, they believe they're, they're adopting the laws and the regulations of the laws. And so like that's why Seventh-day Adventist meets on Saturday, because it's the true Sabbath. That's why they're on Saturday. Uh, the Seventh-day Adventists, a good Seventh-day Adventist won't eat pork. 
I mean, there's just a lot of stuff, right? So they're very legalistic. And I'm going, God has told me to go preach that no flesh is justified by the works of the law in a church that believes their justification comes by following the law. Isn't that awesome? You know how good God is? I'm almost done, guys. I'm almost done. You know how good God is? He kept me from knowing what a Seventh-day Adventist church was until after we preached there. Because if I would have known what a Seventh-day Adventist church was, I would have been like, God, I can't preach that. My brain would have gotten in the way. But because I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to, I just went great guns, man. And, and I'll tell you what, I won't go through the whole story, but I'll tell you this. My whole point in what we're talking about as I wrap this up is faith in God, guys. This ain't about what I did. I was obedient. I was a vessel. It ain't about, like, I did this. No, I read the Word and thought I was the dumbest person that, that ever lived, the dumbest Christian. And God brought wisdom because of faithfulness, guys. The seed will come. I wasn't a polished preacher, and I preached all these places. I preached once, and it was horrible. Never wanted to do it again. But when revelation came, there's a difference between preaching what you know in your head and what God reveals from your heart or your spirit. Revelation, living on revelation does something different. We are trying to live our lives based on what we understand about the kingdom instead of the revelation of God by the spirit. Because you don't need to know a lot. It ain't about what you know. It's about who you know and who told it to you. And whether it came from a man or yourself or from the spirit of God. Because if it comes from God's spirit, I'm telling you, you can stand against armies. That's where faith comes. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God, by God, and from God. And then that kind of faith is the faith that moves mountains, that's unshakable. You don't produce that faith. That faith produces you. That's better than you think it is. You don't produce that kind of faith. That kind of faith produces you. So anyways, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I came up and the Lord told me how to do it. He said, I want you to preach the first 20 minutes of your message like you're Moses himself preaching and advocating for the law. I want you to preach the law like Moses would preach and then flip it on him and go to go over to in Ephesians where it says that um, no flesh is justified by the works of the law and all this stuff, right? And so so I'm, I'm like... The law is what shows us if we're good or bad. And everybody's like, Amen, hallelujah, amen. The law is what gives us favor with God. Amen, hallelujah. The more perfect you follow the law, the more blessings will be on your life. Hallelujah, you know. If you follow the law, God will love you. Yes, you know, so that's how it's going. And then right in the middle of it, because I'm not a polished preacher, didn't know what to do. I don't know how to flip it smoothly or any of that. I just go, all of that is a lie from the pit of hell. And if you believe that, and that's what you truly believed, you are destined for hell, and you will never see the Lord your Savior until you open your eyes and turn from the lie to the truth. And then I flipped to Galatians and started reading. And then it started getting loud. Real loud. Way louder than the hallelujah, hallelujah. That's how they do it. They don't just say hallelujah. They go, hallelujah. Gloria a Dios. Gloria a Dios, right? No, I'm not hearing that anymore. I'm just hearing a lot of And I'm reading my Bible and I'm preaching, I'm reading, I'm preaching, and I look up. My translator is standing like if I'm here, he's literally over there where that clock is. That's how far away he is from me because the crowd's getting upset and getting riled. 
And I told him, I said, looked at him, and I said, get over here. He goes, hmm. I said, get over here. He goes, hmm. And so he comes over there. And I said, and we're at a pitiful moment. Like, people are up, and they're pacing the floor, and they're upset, and they're hollering, and they're yelling. I'm not, I mean, I'm, this is true, guys. This is true. This is true. This is true. And I told him because God told me what to do right there. I said, you say what I say, and you do what I do. And his eyes are like this big. I literally grabbed him and shook him. I said, look at me. And he looked at me. I said, you say what I say, and you do what I do. And he said, yes. I said, now come here. And I walked up to the pastor. And uh, the pastor, was it the pastor or the pastor's wife first? I pulled them both up, but I prayed for one or the other first. doesn't really matter. I, I told the pastor to stand up. Uh, it was the pastor's wife. I, I told her to stand up. And, and God just showed me. Basically, she had the same problem. I don't know medically what this is. Of the woman in the Bible with the issue of blood. Remember? She spent all she had, and she kept bleeding, and they couldn't stop the bleeding. And they go, well, that's because they didn't have modern medicine. Well, guess what? This pastor lady, his wife, was going through the same problem. She had been bleeding for years, and they couldn't stop the bleeding and figure out what was going on. And so I said, hey, God just revealed to me that you, you, you've been bleeding and you keep bleeding and they can't stop the bleeding and all this stuff and God wants to heal you right now. And I just said in Jesus' name and I went to put my hand on her and I got about six inches from her and she hits the deck. They didn't believe in the Holy Spirit in this church. They didn't have what you would call a ministry team, which means nobody caught her, which is, is surprising to me because if I see somebody fall down, I'm gonna try to at least catch them, I think, you know? No, bam, right on the hard tile floor. And, and her husband's like, oh, and I grabbed him and I said, and you, you, and I actually, I did it the other way around, start with the pastor, then do his wife, but it doesn't matter. Um, and I told him, I said, I said, the Lord is showing me that you've had severe migraines and you haven't been able to breathe and you've had surgeries on your nose and all this stuff and they haven't been able to fix it and you haven't been able to breathe out of your nose and you have migraines and, and, and sometimes you're like crippled up in bed because the pain is so bad and you're having a migraine right now and God says he wants to heal you. And again, I got like this close to him and he hits the deck, bam, on the tile floor and then pandemonium erupts in this place. Next thing I know, two guys grab me, throw me against the wall. He's got his forearm in my throat, hold me against the wall. I don't even know where my family's at. I can't see him. My wife and kids are there somewhere. And Ricardo's on the floor with two guys got him, his arms behind him on the floor with their knees in his back. And I'm up against the wall and some other guy's got the microphone yelling and hollering and people are up and yelling and shouting and all that stuff. And the pastor gets up and the pastor gets up and what were you saying? Oh, yeah. And so I just thought you had some input. That's why I was like. And so this other guy's yelling, yelling, yelling. Anyways, I need to wrap this up for you. The, the pastor gets up there, grabs the microphone, makes everybody sit down, you know. And it takes a minute to get everybody to sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. And then he starts talking. And I'm over there with Ricardo shaking him. What's he saying? What's he saying? What's he saying? Because all I'm hearing is, you know, I don't. And I'm like, what's he saying? And so Ricardo starts telling me, and the pastor's going, look, you, you all know about my migraines. You all know about my sinuses and my problems and all the stuff I had. And he takes the microphone and he goes, look. And he's just weeping and crying. And he goes, that's the first time in five years I've been able to breathe through my nose. I have no pain here. It's gone. 
And then his wife gets up. She's weeping and crying and weeping. There's like six women around her. And then she gives the microphone. And, it's, and like you all know about the surgeries and the miscarriages and all the stuff that's happened. You know all this stuff I've been going through. And all I know is I can tell you I'm healed. I'm not bleeding. I can feel it in my body. I'm healed. And they're weeping and crying. The pastor gets back up. He says, I don't know who this man is. And I don't know what he's going to preach. But all I know is you're going to sit down and you're going to listen to him because God told me to have him preach in this church. And, and all I know is I couldn't breathe and I had pain and it's gone. And my wife has been bleeding, had pain and it's gone. We're going to listen to what he has to say. And so then I preached that no flesh is justified by the law, that Jesus is the only way. And I'm not exaggerating, guys. Every single person in that church came up to get saved. I said, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord, I want you to stand up to your feet. If you've never received Jesus before, they think I'm doing altar call now. I want you to stand up to your feet. And everybody in the place stood up. I made them all sit back down because I thought it was a mistranslation in, in the language barrier. I said, everybody sit back down. Okay, I meant if you've never, ever, ever believed in Jesus for your Savior alone and you want to put faith in him alone, you've never done that before, stand up. Everybody. I was like, this is awesome. So anyways, we had crazy meetings there every night. Everybody got saved. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. We had miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. By the last, the last day, all the chairs were out. And everybody was shoulder to shoulder. It was just standing room only that they could crowd everybody in this thing. And, and then there was a church split getting ready to happen. And I've probably shared this before. I'm not going through details. But one guy grabs the pastor and it starts weeping and crying and all this stuff. And he says that he was about to leave the church and they were tired of their pastor and his hard heartedness. He was taking, remember he was over five churches. He was taking two other churches with him and they were going to split up and all this stuff. And he repented and said, God has revealed to me how I was wrong and I needed to have faith in God and trust in you. And the pastor tackled him in a good way tackled him and they wept and cried and rolled on the ground hugging and crying and weeping and people just stood up all over the church and just started hugging each other and, and, and apologizing to each other and literally there had been so much strife in this body I didn't even know about it and God came in there and says smack you're all born again you're filled with the Holy Spirit everybody in this place that's sick is healed and now we're going to bring unity into the house and did all this and I'm sitting over on the side just crying going God you are amazing God you are awesome knowing I'm not I didn't do this I was the vessel I was obedient I sowed the seed and the and the fruit came amen that I know I wasn't qualified and I sat there going God you're amazing you're amazing I said why why God why why did you use me to do this like this is crazy like I mean I'm I'm not even out of bible school yet this was only this, I'd only preach once before this guy. Why did you choose me? And he said, because, the, uh, because you said yes and the others didn't. Which tells me I wasn't God's first choice. I don't know how many others there were, but others is more than one other. Others. I don't know how many people God tried to get to do this. They, I said yes, and they didn't, guys. You want to do something amazing for God? Say yes. That's it. And then he'll take care of what you need. He'll give you his anointing. He'll give you revelation. He'll give you the word. He'll do everything you need if you'll say yes. You don't need to learn more. You don't need to, yes, we all got to learn. But understand, you don't need to go to a Bible school. You don't got to go to more classes. You don't got to do more stuff. You got to open your heart and say, yes, Lord. Yes. Use me, God. 
And you'll find in your life, with your family and friends, at your workplace, opportunity after opportunity that will arise, that God is calling us to step into those places and be a light that shines in darknesses, and in, in, in darkness, and it, it flees, guys. You are the light. The, the, I know Jesus is the light, but he's in you, and Christ in you is the hope of glory, and it shines light, and darkness tries to hide. It trembles at your voice when you speak the word of God. The strife, the stress, the anxiety, the fear in your life has to flee. Let your light shine. And it will burn and blow away everything. Depression can't stay on you if you let the light of Jesus shine. It will flee and try to hide. It will tremble at your voice as you speak the word of God. Let your light shine. Don't just say yes. So I'm standing there. I'm just trying to finish up the story here. I'm standing there. The guy's got the gun to the back of my head. He has me open my trunk. They're taking everything out of my trunk. They opened our suitcase, and they're literally just doing this with our clothes. Whoosh, 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 all over the side of the highway. He's got the gun in the back of my head. I'd already preached at this other church. I already had the throat. I already had all this. And I saw God do miracles. You know what I'm saying? Come on, man. Something changes in you. I got broke for Jesus in a good way. I got broke in a good way for Jesus. You go there and you see every single person that's broken bones, blind eyes, deaf ears, wheelchairs, doesn't matter, up and walking, healed, seeing, hearing. Again and again and again and again and again. Something happens to you. I'm standing on the side of the road and I was like, God didn't call me here to die. God didn't bring me here for this. This is an attack of the enemy because we just wreaked, wreaked havoc in his kingdom for the glory of God. And he's there, what are you doing? And I said, he starts speaking English. And I said, I am a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm here to preach the gospel to every man, woman, and child in Mexico. Because I, they need to hear, God sent me here. Do you know Jesus? Is he your Lord? And he said, what? He took the gun down from my head. He said, what? He turned around and looked me in the eyes. He said, what did you just say to me? But yelling at me, like yelling, screaming, like in my face. What did you just say to me? Spits flying all over me. I said, I said, I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I am here to preach the gospel to every man, woman, and child in Mexico. Is Jesus your Lord? And he just stepped back like this. His eyes were real big. And he goes, he goes, show me, prove it, prove it. And I reached in and grabbed this Bible. I said, here's my Bible. I handed it to him. And he started flipping through the Bible and looking at it. And I just was sitting there. And the whole time, if you think, I mean, I looked like I was a duck, man. You know what that means, right? A duck is just chilling on the water. Yeah, he's sitting here, but underneath the water surface, ooh, his little legs are paddling. I look like I was just calm and cool as could be and collected. And I'm just standing here staring at him eye to eye, watching him look at the book, just standing here. I'm not intimidated. And inside I'm going, Jesus, 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 Jesus. As fast as I could pray in my mind and tongues. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going, thank you, Jesus. I'm just telling you. It's not like I stood here. I'm super. I knew God was going to do it. But inside, though I looked calm, inside was going, oh, Jesus, you better do it now. Because sometimes you hear these stories and you think, oh, he just walks such in faith. He never had a moment or that. No, I sat there going, I'm trusting God, but if he don't come through, we're all dead. Like, that's a reality, guys. And I'm just like, and inside I'm going, Jesus, 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 hallelujah, praise the Lord. You know, 
He took the Bible, he shoved it in my chest, and he just started screaming, get out of here, get out of here. And one of the other guys brought his machine gun up, and he said something in Spanish and put his machine gun on me, and the other guy grabbed the machine gun and took it like this, and they started arguing. And as they're arguing, he looks back, I said, get out of here, and he's arguing with the other guy. Yes, sir. I mean, as fast as I can, I'm throwing the clothes back into the car because they're all over the highway. And he's like arguing with the guy still. And the guy like puts the gun and he pulls the gun back up. And he said, and the guy said, I said, leave. Yep. And half our clothes were left on the highway because it just trunk down on the road we go. Praise the Lord. I mean, I don't know what they were saying, but God took care of it. I don't know what that happened to that guy. I don't know. All I know is we survived. Hallelujah. And then, and then we go down to the gas station and we pump gas. And then we realized we don't have any money. My wallet was gone. He took my wallet. Somebody, when they were there, took my wallet. And remember, I told you I wasn't smart enough. I only knew I was supposed to go. Didn't know what I was supposed to do. All of our money and credit cards was in one easy-to-access place, which they accessed easily. And we had no money, and we just pumped gas. And you're like, well, yeah. Well, yeah. We're from America. We're not from Mexico. And so as I realize I have no money to pay for the gas, I'm looking at two armed guards with uh, M16 machine guns standing there staring at me, going. And I asked Ricardo, I said, what are those guys for? He goes, oh, oh, that's so if people don't pay on gas, they'll just dump a mag in their car. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, Lord. <laughs> we have a new problem. And we dug around under the seats and we found enough money to, to, to pay for gas. And I'm just telling you, that don't happen, guys. Come on. When, when have you dug around? Your, when have you lost $60 or something like that in your car and didn't, you know, come on. That's a miracle. But I'm just telling you, God just provided and provided and provided. So then on this trip, we didn't have any money. No money. You know what we decided to do? We don't have any money. What, what should we do? Let's drive eight hours further down into Mexico. We literally would go and we would be, we just pull up into a village somewhere and get out and just stand there and somebody walk up to on this, guys, God still does it today. He did it to me. He'll do it for you. Trust him. Believe him. I was not qualified. I was the least. I wasn't, I hadn't, I hadn't gone to school. I was in school, but I hadn't done all the things you're supposed to do. I wasn't because I was qualified. It was because I said yes. And I trusted him and putting trust in God lets God do stuff for you. And we got down there and we just pull up into a village and we'd be sitting there and the kids would be playing and somebody walk up to us and they'd, they'd walk up and look and come right up to us and go, I saw you you in a dream last night and I saw you preaching at our church. Will you come preach at our church? And we go, yes, hallelujah, praise God. And then they would invite us over for lunch. We didn't have money. They'd feed us lunch. They'd get us somewhere to stay. We'd have food. You know what I mean? People would, they'd take care of us. And then they took up offerings and gave us money and would give us enough money to get to the next church, to the next town, to the next village. And I mean, just time after time after time, we'd go there, we'd go there, meet somebody and they'd be like, oh, I have a demon possessed brother. Oh, can we go pray for him? Yeah, come on. We go cast a demon out of somebody. It ended up being somebody that heard about it in some church and have us come preach because we cast a demon out of some guy in town that they knew. I mean, they don't. It's different, guys. They literally have people locked in cages in their homes. They'll put barred doors, cell doors over your bedroom door. You think your parents are rough, some of you kids. They put locked because they're demonized kids. And they lock them in these rooms. We, we went and cast demons out of several kids that were locked in these rooms. They don't know what to do with them. They ca- 
the church that's there, I'm not trying to pick on them, just doesn't do what they, they don't know what they're doing. So they come down, they sprinkle some water, say a prayer, and the kids stay possessed. And so, anyways, my point isn't to keep us here long. My point is to say, what is God asking you to do? I had an awesome time, but it didn't end there. I've had many adventures and stuff. I've also fully believe I've missed out on many adventures because I've been busy with life. I've been busy with work. I've been busy with stuff and not trying to, but just get busy and maybe not quick to respond in a, in a moment and miss an opportunity. I've done that many times, but I don't want to do that. We just have to trust God. We obviously made it back out. There's tons of stories that go with all of it. In the meantime, God gave us all the money we needed. It just worked out. We made it back. And, but what I told you before was it ruined me for the gospel. It ruined me for Jesus. It actually ruined me in a good way, right? But it ruined me for church. Because when you experience that and you come back to the United States and you see nothing, you see nothing it really makes you question what are we actually believing? These signs shall follow those who believe in the name of Jesus. If we're not seeing signs, it's because we're not believing in the name of Jesus. We're believing in other things. I'm not saying you don't believe in Jesus, but guess what? You're believing what the doctor said about your depression more than you're believing in the name of Jesus to free you from it. I could give a lot of examples, but you know your own heart. You know what's up. This isn't to condemn at all. It's to encourage. We all live a life with struggles, right? You know what my Bible says? Get excited because Jesus has overcome the world, and in Christ, you are more than conquerors in Christ. We just have to believe, amen? You're a light. Let it shine, man. Darkness flees and trembles at the word of God that comes out of your mouth. Just believe it. Believe it. Believe it. Sam knows what I'm talking about. Believe it. You gotta believe it, man. You got to believe it. Who says they believe? Do I have any believers in here? Amen. Just say, I believe. believe. Say, I believe. believe. Come on now. And I will close with this, and I've done this before, and I'm not going to go down the whole story, but everybody has that person in their life that they consider as a strong believer. And when a problem comes in your life, think about how would that person react in that situation? How do you think that they would react? And then do that yourself. Oh man, that person's a faith giant. If this problem came up, they'd stand up and speak the word of God and declare freedom and freedom would come because they're a giant for the faith. Guess what? Giants. You're a giant for the faith of God. You already said you're a believer. You said, I believe. You declared it. I believe. So if you think about how somebody who you think really believes would respond, guess what? You really believe. You really believe. And then go, wait a minute. This is how I need to respond. I need to go, yes, in Jesus' name, I have victory. 
another problem comes up. You got another bill you can't pay. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Opportunity for miracle. God, you got something to, you got it, God, you got it. What do I do? I'll do whatever I need to do, but here's your problem, God. We look at it so wrong because we look so small at the glory of God and the power of God. It's supernatural above and beyond the natural. It supersedes the natural and you are supernatural. We are supernatural because we are in Christ and Christ is in us. Amen. You have everything in you you need to be free from every problem you're facing. And it's Jesus and him alone. Christ Jesus, your Lord and Savior, is in you. And if you will put faith in him, you have everything you need. You're equipped. You're ready. You can handle it because you are a believer in Jesus. Amen? Well, I hope you're encouraged this morning to believe God. I hope you're stirred up this morning to believe God. Do not let this just be some message where believe God and we just go away and go, yeah, that was nice, walk away. No, find something in your life and start to believe God. Anything, something little, man. What Mark was talking about didn't come overnight. It came over years and years and years of studying the Word, taking baby step after baby step after baby step that when his wife starts to have a heart attack, they can both be at peace. Being the one in the hospital, on the way, witnessing to people around them, guys. Praise the Lord. Amen? Praise the Lord. But it didn't come easily or automatically. It took time with a little bit here and a little bit there. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How do you find victory in your life? One step at a time, guys. One step of belief at a time. If you need something big to go, find a little thing you can believe. One step at a time and let God eat that elephant out of your life. Amen? Amen. All right. Praise God.